Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Broadway Podcast Network presents Giants in the Sky. How Sondheim and Lapine went into the woods with me, Ben Rimmelauer. Today's guest, Kay McLelland, original Florinda and replacement Baker's wife. Once upon a time. Kay McLelland originated the role of Florinda in Into the Woods on Broadway and at the Old Globe, where she also created the role of Rapunzel. She went on to play the baker's wife for the final months of the Broadway run. She also originated the dual role of Bobby and Gabby in City of Angels, introducing Cy Coleman and David Zipples with Every Breath I Take and What You Don't Know About Women. Her other Broadway credits include More to Love, The Sound of Music, The King and I, Crazy for You, and Nick and Nora, as well as the national tours of Crazy for You and Sugar Babies. She played Ruth Sherwood in the City Opera production of Wonderful Town and Petra in the Alliance Theater production of A Little Night Music. First of all, I've been a fan of yours just forever. Um, and so it's just a treat for me personally. But I um, I think your perspective is going to be really unique to get because you uh, started with the show at the Old Globe where you played your Broadway role, Florinda, as well as Rapunzel. Went through all the changes with that uh, show and cast to go to Broadway where you, I believe you stayed for the entire run after understudying the baker's wife, eventually taking over as the baker's wife and closing the show. That's right. You didn't need me here for all that. Did you? Well, that those are those <laughs> are the chapter headings. So, yes. uh, I, yes. you know, I I want I guess I you know I want to begin uh, by just hearing uh, how the show uh, came to you. I, I know I guess it was your Broadway debut. You had done the tour of Sugar Babies before. Yes, it was my Broadway debut. Yeah. Um, after I think I was on the road with Sugar Babies for four months and then it closed on the road. So um, and I, I know I at least I, I, I remember I I just reread it to prepare for chatting with you. But I remember years ago when the Broadway Stories book by Marty Bell came out mm-hmm. chapter with you talking about your Nick and Nora experience, uh, which could be its own podcast for sure. Yeah, um, yeah I'm sure. But you mentioned in that uh, that the first Broadway show you saw when you moved to New York was Sunday in the Park with George. Yes. Yes, that's right. So, I was very sick. I had a sinus infection. My girlfriend, Gina, and I sat up in the way balcony in the back going, look, and just cried and cried uh, and cried, you know. And had you been like a Sondheim aficionado prior to that? Um, no, I had not been. I was... Um, I've heard you ask other people if they were a theater geek, and I—I I was not a theater geek at all. Yeah, I kind you're of cool. I, I, no, I just kind of fell into it, um, which sounds just so. You know, I just kind of fell into it, and I was on Broadway. But I—I uh, I started in just being a clown. I was a comedy. I was—I I did comedy on stage with a little group that was famous in Atlanta called the Wits End Players, and uh, Bonnie and. Um, Terry Turner started with them and Jan Hook started with them and, and you know, SNL yeah. and uh, Third Rock and all of that. Um, so I, I was just a yuck, yuck kind of girl, you know, and the first thing I was aware of with Sondheim, I did um, a little night music at the Alliance Theater. Oh, wonderful. I did Petra and, um, you know, oh my God, it was just the thing I think I'd done before was MAME. And so of course, MAME is great. 
but it was like, and then a song time. It's like, oh, oh, this is a whole different animal. It's yeah, a whole, yeah. a whole different world of lyric and movement and thought and I don't know, just everything. It was very exciting, but um, I wasn't that familiar with, uh, you know, I kind of suddenly I was faced with these incredibly famous people, and I thought, I really need to figure out who these people are. <laughs> I need to. This is Stephen Sondheim. This is James Lapine. I remember I auditioned for something at the Alliance um, with a monologue. I don't even remember the play that James had written. And I said, this is, this is the, you know, the, the, the waitress scene from some play by James Lapinay. And I remember <laughs> that I was auditioning for just burst out laughing. And I thought, I said, I've been funny already. There's something wrong. <laughs> I didn't mean for that to be funny. So yeah, um, that was, uh, Sunday in the park was was very thrilling for me. And were you thinking like, I want to play Dot, I want to do this show? Was that, you know, what what was your- Oh no, oh no, I didn't think I'd ever get there. No, 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 I didn't have any, I don't think I thought I would ever get on Broadway. I, um, I was with like a clump of people who had moved from uh, Atlanta to New York. I'd had a terrible romantic breakup and I just thought, what the hell? I'm just going to go and see what happens. And uh, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Honestly, I had a really great agent that I got from a referral from someone who had moved from Atlanta and moved uh, and, and became an agent in New York. And he kind of slid me in the door, you know, and um, I, I've just been like really, really lucky. <laughs> Somehow I... I think I think what started it was the my success with Sugar Babies because that was just apparently I mean I I didn't have any clue how big that was I didn't yeah. know that, that was going to be this huge role that uh, I didn't know what it was like to be on the road I didn't know what it was like to be singing with birds on my shoulders I didn't know <laughs> what Mickey Rooney and Ann Miller were going to be like and uh, I was terrified and sure I was going to get fired pretty much every step of the way career. <laughs> better show up and see what they say <laughs> had you grown up watching mickey rooney and ann miller like in the oh, old yeah. musicals oh, and everything yeah. my mom was pretty starstruck you know yeah. she she would scurry around the house doing mom stuff and then when ann would come on with her nerve taps you know or or judy and and mickey would do the you know do their thing she would stop and, oh, that's mickey rooney oh, that's ann miller hey look that's ann miller and you know you're you're a little kid, you're sitting in front of a, you know how it was. It was just so glamorous and beautiful. I had no idea that I would ever even be in the same room with people like that, much less be on stage and playing with them and have them be so generous and warm and personable. It was really thrilling for me to, you know, to even consider that. So no, I didn't ever think, I thought maybe I could sing in a, in a little club someplace or, you know, do, I don't know. I didn't ever thought about stand up, but something like a some kind of comedy group that did improv or something like that I, I really just wanted to go to New York and live there and be cool well you yeah. you barely had time to do that because you went out on the tour and then <laughs> sugar babies yeah. closed and you went back to New York I did I went back to New York and, and so then uh, tell me when you heard about this fairy tale musical into the woods um I don't remember what time of year it was, but I remember that I was in Atlanta and my agent called my mom's and dad's house and said, um, there's a new Sondheim show that's coming up. You're going to come back and audition for Cinderella or Cinderella and the stepsisters. Mm. And so I had to turn, make a quick turnaround, but that was, that was all I knew. And I thought, Cinderella, yeah, maybe I'll get, you know, maybe I'll get a call back. Maybe I'll get a call back. But I had no idea that uh, that it was going to end up that way. And I got a call back. And then, I, you know, I can't I can't remember like a lot of people don't remember exactly what happened. But I was trying to remember if I did a workshop before San Diego. And I don't think I did. I, think I don't my think you did. Was, oh, yeah. See, I should have talked to you before this interview. <laughs> We're talking now. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I because I think the Playwrights Horizons workshop uh, in June of 86 was, okay. um, I think that's where it was, uh, Nancy Opal uh, played mm -hmm. Florinda, I think. And then okay. um, 
Uh, oh, she was Jan great. Jana great. Schneider, uh, I think, was um, Lucinda, or vice versa, maybe. But they, honestly, I don't even know if they had their names. I don't think it's listed in the... Um, I could be oh. wrong. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, uh, I'm making unforced errors now, going off on tangents and saying the wrong information. No, but, no. <laughs> well, uh, other people were talking about pigs and... Uh, Joy being a sexy wolf, and I was like, I know nothing about. Pi- I don't think I saw pigs, little or otherwise, and, and there was no sex with the wolves. You know, I didn't know yeah, any of no that. No sex so, with wolves. Yeah. Uh, but but so this audition would have been then for the Old Globe production. Yeah, um, right. And I mean, do you remember your first time meeting um, Stephen Sondheim in that in that audition process? I do. Um, I I do, and I don't remember. You know. It's the kind of thing where you walk in and they are sitting in a, a darkened audience mm. and, uh, you know, three, four, five uh, rows back. And um, I don't know if that was the first time I've met Paul Ford, because I knew of Paul because he's from Atlanta, but I I think that Gimignani, would, I know Gimignani was there. They, and I, I don't remember, you know, this is Kay McClelland, I got introduced. You know, hi Kay, and I think that's was all I got. I didn't get an introduction. It was yeah. just like you could kind of sort of see some figures there, they're looming, and you know, and you could hear. Once I sang my songs, they wanted me to do a scale, and I'm sure I heard, you know, Stephen's voice. Kind of can't help but note that that's him, um, and some murmuring. And uh, but I, again, I thought, well. Sorry, I wasted your time, or just it was nice to be here. Have a nice life, you know. Um, and I remember my agent said, "Call me right after. Call me right after, and tell me what happened. Tell me, you know, who you saw there, and if you've got any dirt on anything." So I called them, and um, I said, "I have no idea how I did. They made me do the scale. You know, I think I read the Baker's Wife lines. I, I, I don't know." Um, uh, and I saw two dark-haired short girls. And I don't know who they were. I think that they were reading *The Witch*. And my, mm. my agent said later that was Patty LaPone and Ellen Foley, honey. They were two dark-haired short girls. Yeah, that's who that. That's who that was. Wow. Yeah, so oh, was in the hallway outside. Well, I, I think we passed each other in the. Ah. I don't remember where we were. We were in a theater someplace, and it was uh, dark. And the velvet, you know, the the, the what do they call the things that hang down the sides? Anyway, the skirts where we were, you know, passing each other in the dark. And I remember glancing back and seeing two smallish, same size-ish, dark-haired girls. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I knew. Yeah. Well, listen, you've already given me a, a factoid that I have not been able to find, which is that nobody could tell me, there was the famous story of Patti LuPone's audition, but no one could tell me if that was before the first workshop, before San Diego, before Broadway. Mm-hmm. So now you've given me the timing for that. So we're already <laughs> ticking things off my list. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Uh, do you remember what you sang? Um, probably. Uh, <laughs> no, you're just really going to do. Probably uh, Cockeyed Optimist. Lovely. And probably Here's That Rainy Day, probably. Mm. Yeah, those are my songs. Oh, now. And, you know, you walk in when, you, when you've auditioned. And Paul Ford's your pianist so many times, you just walk in the door and he starts the intro. You know, so that's probably what I sang. That I sang that to death. And it's, it worked for me. I got jobs, so I just kept singing it. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess I guess it wouldn't have been, it would have made you crazy to have to remember all the words to the Miller's son for an audition. That was the wrong choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 hard to hold on to I thought once I did it I thought oh I can you know that's really cool I'll remember that then I sang uh, some years later and thought no did not stay in my head at no, all. that's a lot yeah that's a lot um a lot. wow okay so well so you got the job I did I got the job yeah and I, don't know. I was shocked and amazed <laughs> do you so. do you uh I guess you all rehearsed at um the West Beth uh, theater in the West Village. Yes, I do remember that. Um, and I remember, uh, I, I uh, the whole Rapunzel stepsister um, switch off. Um, I, 
I knew that I was probably gonna not do uh, Rapunzel after if I did the show at all. James just just is not happy with my Rapunzel at all, and and I think you know, you know how you can kind of tell if you're, if it's working for anyone in the room <laughs> besides you. But it, it, I I kind of felt like I was a filler, you know, for that, and I I heard murmurings of well, you know, that will be. They're not going to have you double those two small roles. They're, you know, they're going to make that Rapunzel's her own character, and, and uh, stepsisters are of a of, of a couple, so they're separated from, you know, from that plot. So, what what you? I mean, it sounds like you as a as a actor took that as a reflection of your performance as Rapunzel. Or did you think it was just simply that um, the audience needed to see a different face uh, than in one role from the other? Yeah, I think it was. I think um, I think it was both. I think just personally, I didn't think I did it very well. I knew I didn't sing it the way that they wanted me to sing it, and I knew that I didn't look the part. I think they wanted somebody young and fresh, and you know, like a like very you know, young looking, and I just never was that, you know, they put this blonde kind of wig on me with this kind of flat, long rope of hair, you know, that you're dragging around, and of course, you're not up in a tower, you're kind of just flailing on a chair, I just didn't feel very comfortable at all, and maybe it was because I was so new, when I was with Lauren and Joy, you know, that was just the uh, they were so supportive and such a buffer and so um, helpful. And, you know, you do this and I'll do that. And how about if we come in here? Yeah, I'll do that. You know, I didn't have to be my own person. I think it had to do with my experience as well. Interesting. Well, listen, it's almost 40 years later and I'm looking at you with your long blonde hair on this Zoom. I'd cast you as Rapunzel today. Oh, um, you're oh the, the lighting worked. <laughs> See, there Very you go. Uh, but uh, talk to me about this relationship uh, with with Joy and Lauren, especially Lauren. Other people have referred to, uh, like Danielle Furlan talked about sort of like kind of you two as, I don't want to say the mean girls, but like kind of like the, like definitely like the 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 cool girls or the posse or something, you know. Oh, wow. That's funny. That's yeah. funny. Well, you know, um, Lauren... Lauren was more savvy in, you know, that world than I was. Um, but she also was, um, I don't know how to say it. She was a, a, a buoy for me. You know, she kind of guided me and like, just was, was like a sister for me. Yeah. You know? um, and also it was interesting to watch her um, work it was interesting to watch her work because she was so definitive. There was nothing flailing about her. There was nothing indecisive about what she did in my mind. She was calm and she was um, smug and funny mm -hmm. and um, and just very um, open and willing to just to try anything. And we rehearsed and rehearsed because we had the knife and the toe and the heel and the hoops and the horse and the stool and the, the the running thing and Bob, and it was just a lot, you know? So we we were very tactile with each other. You know, we had to be close. You know, we wore nothing practically in that first scene that, that we would come on and we were, you know, we were very intimate with each other and in that we just were smashed together and we did not know each other at all. She was just very comforting to me. Um, and it's funny that you said that Danielle said we came off kind of like the mean girls. I was very, um, as I've said five times now, young and inexperienced. And I didn't really know how to deal with um, some of the other actors in, in, in uh, working with them, interchanging, you know, looks or bits or whatever. Um, and I had a couple of uh, issues maybe with Chip. And when Chip would, and I would talk, I would get my feelings hurt and I would like, cry. And Lauren, and Lauren would be like, okay, I remember specifically one time she said, Kate, stay down there. And she sat, I mean, she stood on the landing and talked to Chip. Chip, this is what it's like to be on that 
on that, you know, whatever that thing was called, the, the hill or the, the, the riser, the lift or something. It's very difficult for us to be like up there with the mud coats and the hats and the dark glasses. And we don't really need notes from you. <laughs> so I would, you know, she was just very, um, I don't know, might've come off sharp, but uh, she was very protective of me. I love hearing about that relationship. I'm thinking of you and Lauren, you know, other than maybe Chip and Joanna, um, yeah. there, it's probably for what you all went through and developing a new musical out of town and with such high pressure, it must've been very special to have someone that was really joined with you in that experience. And maybe even more so for the two of you, because I think even though Chip and Joanna seem to have been very supportive um, of each other, I think there was still a sense of them, you know, one of them was nominated for a Tony, one of them wasn't. There there mm-hmm. was, a, a, there was a, at the level that they were within the um, billing, I think there was intrinsically a little more of a, you know, there was no way to escape some kind of competition. Whereas it seems like maybe you and Lauren were truly able to just support each other 100%. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, for Lauren and I, that's right, because there was, um, was a time when she was first cover for, I mean, we, when we started, um, and actually in San Diego, I was first cover and Rapunzel. Then when we went from there to Broadway, they not only didn't have me do Rapunzel, they took away first cover. So Lauren was first cover. And I don't know why, but we never felt, um, I don't think she ever felt this way. And I never felt this way, that we were in competition. We, we just, we were so grateful. I was so grateful to be there. You know, mm-hmm. I, I honestly, a couple of times I thought, well, I'm just going to get fired. I'm not sure that I'm, you know, I, I was really, uh, not ever solid in my in my on my feet there um even though it was great i was always afraid of everything i was you know you watch the people come and go you don't know what the, their contracts are i wasn't so aware of mine but um i know you can be bought out of your contract and you know once i was there i thought oh my god i'm just not as good as all these people i cannot keep up i don't know what i'm doing so um we were just attached to each other from the very beginning. Um, and Joy as well. Joy was so uh, open and loving and willing to try anything. Mm. Uh, and all those little bits, that was, that was her and, and Lauren, you know, and I felt like I was just kind of following along or just trying to keep up and do the best thing I could. So yeah, Lauren, Lauren's a different um, animal. She's uh very open and, and supportive. She's a good sister. Well, I'm glad you had her. Um, yeah. So I so tell me about this experience for you, because coming from, you know, the national tour of Sugar Babies, you were going into a show that was already a long running hit and was, you know, very, very um, established and proven. And here you were in a process where I understand they were making changes throughout the run in San Diego. And there was a lot of big question marks. How did you have enough information going in to expect that? Or was that surprising to you? No, I think I I knew because I think it was going on sort of in rehearsal before San Diego. Um, And so I knew that it was, everything was juggling. And I knew that we obviously always had rewrites, you know, uh, this, our scripts looked like they'd, you know, been through the washing machine. They were just, so I wasn't surprised about that. And that was fun. That was, that made it fun and kind of um, freeing because you were changing things so much that you didn't, you, you were kind of always trying new things. You were kind of always going, well, that line leads you that way. You know, or they, this, now that this scene is there, you have to, you know, follow that lead. And so you can try new things and try, you know, you're not reading the, set script and that's what has to happen there you know and that's the end of it uh so that was fun that that was it it was easy it was light plus we were in san diego the old globe perfect weather every day so fabulous yeah yeah yes gorgeous um for the last time, I am not on Ozempic. I made one little joke on this podcast, and everybody started calling me out, texting me, calling me cringe, whatever. I really was asked by people if I was on Ozempic, and as I told them, 
I am not. I am just eating factors, no prep, no mess meals, okay? Warmer, sunnier days are coming. Fire Island season is here. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you can kickstart a new healthy routine, what are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. And kitchen time is kept to a minimum. They are ready in two minutes. No shopping, no prepping, no cooking, no cleanup. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or just simply to eat well-balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 and use code giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code giantsinthesky50 at factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And, uh, and what, did you have an opinion of, oh, this show is going to be so successful and iconic or were you like, I don't know if they're going to make this work or, you know, what was your take on it? I, I don't remember. Um, I, I was sure that it would run. I didn't, I didn't know whether I was going to be with it. Um, and I didn't really know, um, what the reviews were going to be like i knew that some of those shows uh, some of his shows didn't always have real positive reviews um and they didn't have really long runs but i certainly knew that it was um epic uh i knew that it had oh i mean joanna and chip were just so glowing i couldn't see how anybody wouldn't want to just come see them you know and and see that relationship because it was so much fun to watch and the 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 fact that it wasn't all um every tale all la 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 the fact that it dug in deeper um and even foreshadowed in the first act and that second act was just so rich and yummy and i loved that it was it dealt with such issues that are pertinent today in such a fairy tale setting that that was just wonderful to me and i i was sure that it would run i was sure that it had a life I didn't know how long. I didn't know that it would go from, we were four years, I think, from from San Diego to closing. Yeah. Something like that. But like, I mean, when you talk about that second act, I mean, you didn't have No One Is Alone. You didn't have Children Will Listen. That's right. I think maybe No More. Did did you even start rehearsals with that song or did that come sometime in the process? Um, I don't think we had that. I think um, I have a memory of, George Co. and Chip doing um, their song. Uh, uh, no more. Can, no more, because I can I can hear George Co. going, running away with that kind of New York yeah. accent. <laughs> running away, let's do it. You know that kind of thing. Um, uh, so I, I have kind of forgotten what you asked me. But so I so you because you talk <laughs> about the emotional power oh. of the second act. But it seems like the show that you started rehearsals with had a long way to right. go to get that. Did, was did was it just there intrinsically in a it way was. that you were I connecting like, to? I felt like it was there intrinsically, and I think that that's uh, you know that's because of the actors. It was yeah. just flowing so beautifully, and and um, Ellen Foley was so uh, deep and rich 
that, you know, I felt like when the songs came in, it supported what was already there. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, you know, when people say it's ballad and ballad and ballad, I don't even think of it that way. It, doesn't, it seems just the way it's supposed to go. Mm. Um, the, the, the music that plays behind some of those scenes is so soft and, and um, uh, I don't know, haunting maybe. It, it yeah. doesn't to me seem boring or really depressing. And maybe that's just my love for those actors or yeah. to watch it. It's just, it was just so poignant. Well, I, 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 I know you have a taste for, uh, you know, sophisticated musical theater. That's another thing that you said in Marty Bell's book. Oh God, Marty Bell's book. You had not book. been a fan of the um, mainstream <laughs> musicals and that you liked like Bertolt Brecht and like that oh. was more your 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 jam. A little so, gritty. Yeah. Yes. yeah. No wonder no wonder Sondheim was an easy sell for you. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But uh, with all those changes, I mean, like talking about Ellen Foley, did you have a sense, were, did you think something wasn't working there, whether it was her performance or the material the witch had? Did that seem to be the problem area of the show? Um, no, I think that it was, um, I, I didn't really, let's see, I, I, the second act, uh, to me did have that, uh, I don't know how to say that. Um, I didn't think that was a problem. I thought that Ellen's, um, uh, you know, her interpretation was sort of what kept the show in, uh, in real, in the urgency of the, of the completion of the, you know, of the wishes, mm. um, you know, she, her realism, really uh, grounded it to me, um, you know, that she had that grittier side. Yeah. Not that the other witches didn't have a gritty side as well, but Ellen just has a look about her that's just more raw. And she mm -hmm. went there, you know, and everybody, I think everybody loved that she went there. She was, you know, scary. She was really scary. Wow. You know, so. Were you surprised then uh, when, um, uh, when she wasn't cast for the broad for the pre Broadway workshop, mm -hmm. I was I was surprised at that, um, and I kind of thought that it was because she wasn't available. Because I know that they do that. I know they did that with with what Bob wasn't Westenberg wasn't available. Yes, off doing other yes. had Burke come in, right? Go away. Yes, I mean that <laughs> that was a revelation to me on the podcast. Um, but uh, so okay. Uh, and that did they keep making changes in the show throughout the run in San Diego, even after you opened? Yes, I think they kept, I mean, they made changes in New York after sure. San Diego. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they, we, they, I don't know, I don't remember when they say, you know, bird's eye, the show is frozen. I don't remember that moment, but I, <laughs> it's some, it wasn't very far before we opened. I remember being in the theater and Bernadette was learning last midnight, you know, and we were, wondering what that was oh that must yeah. be a new song you know? right well into previews on broadway yeah. um but okay so the san diego show closes i think it was like the first week in january um in 1987 and then uh i know that workshop pre-broadway with betty buckley and burke moses happened in in mm -hmm. june or july uh how did you spend the entire six months waiting to hear whether you were cast or not or did you find out soon that you were going to be part of the broadway production um i think i waited i think that <clears throat> i remember getting a letter uh and i i may have been the only one to get this letter but <clears throat> excuse me i remember getting a letter that said basically we loved what you did we mm. love you you're wonderful but we're not going to use you not going to use you something like that yeah like I don't remember being, I don't remember feeling like, oh, I'm waiting to find out if I'm going to be hired again. <clears throat> and I think I had to come back in and sing again. But I don't, I could be wrong. I could completely be wrong about that. But then magically they said, you know, we were hiring you. We want you back. But I remember that it was a long time. It, what, what did you say it was? Six actually? months. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was waiting. I think I was waiting. I was waiting tables at a place called Handwriters on the Upper West Side. Wow. Um, and uh, just <laughs> going to auditions and seeing, you know, no, no sense. And no, I, I, I guess 
at that point, they didn't, you may not have even known that Into the Woods with or without you was happening on that timetable. So I don't it think it's all knew. a question yeah. mark. Yeah. I think that was all behind me at that point. I just thought, you know, that was fun and, and that was great. And I, I of course, I was disappointed, but, um, you know, you just keep going. You know? uh, but then they said they wanted you. And so you did that workshop that summer. Yes. And yes. what, you know, the I, as the workshop is the thing I'm most curious about in the I entire know. Into the Woods universe. <laughs> you, what do you remember about that? Um, let's see. Was that when Suzanne Douglas was doing The Witch? I, I think there was two, if I understand correctly, <laughs> in the first week, Suzanne Douglas was The Witch. And in the second week, Betty was The Witch and Suzanne was Rapunzel. Okay. Okay, that's probably I'm sure you know you've got the timetable down. You've got you remember it much better than I do, <clears throat> or any of us probably. You've got the whole big picture in front of you. Well, you all, all are remembering what with. happened to you forty years ago. I'm remembering what people told me, you know, three months ago. Well, <laughs> um, you know, I I uh, um I don't remember a lot about it. You know, we weren't in it as much as everyone else. I mean, you know, we were just. Um, we'd show up every now and then. So it was it was hard to keep track of everything that was going on. I don't even remember. I didn't remember what happened with Burke. I remember, yeah. uh, I didn't know the soap opera issue. I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah. I knew that it was weird there because he was like suddenly doing, suddenly he was reading the script of the prince. Um, but I, but was Chuck doing Rapunzel's Prince in that? No, and I don't honestly know what the story was with Chuck. My understanding was that oh, Bob was like... cast as the prince and the wolf, Cinderella's prince and the wolf, and Burke was cast as Rapunzel's prince. And then Bob couldn't do the just the workshop, so they said Burke, who was going to cover him in Cinderella's prince and the wolf anyway, would actually do it for those oh. two weeks. And... um and Jeff Blumenkrantz would be um, Rapunzel's Prince for those, which he was going to cover for those two weeks. And then when Burke was fired after the workshop, before Broadway rehearsal started, that's when Chuck was rehired, having done it in San Diego. So I don't know. Okay, that sounds familiar. I don't know if Chuck wasn't available for Broadway or the workshop or how, you know, what their original intentions had been. Um, and I know, uh, according to Pam, she had been offered the workshop in Broadway, and she now thinks very stupidly. She said she could do Broadway, but not the workshop. But that they they said okay, fine, and that's when they had Suzanne um, oh, do oh, Rapunzel, oh, oh, um, wow. which I guess she was going to be covering anyway um, wow, in the right. track that sort of Betsy Joslin eventually right. stepped into. Um, right. right. But, uh, so, uh, okay, so, but it was you and Lauren, and um, you were given the new script. I mean, do you remember thinking, okay, this is, like, moving in the right direction with the, with the writing process, or? You know, I, I, I'm just not that smart that way. I think that Lauren, any, any kind of indication I had that we were getting more congealed was, was coming from her. Um, I, I was just so happy to be there and have the lines and, and get the laughs, you know? Um, so I don't really, I just kind of thought it was great um, from the beginning. And the, the, the times, the little words that they would take out and put in other little words or take a whole page out or three pages. I was like, wow, how do they have the, the foresight to know that that's, you know, that that scene needs to be, to go that way for the character or for the next scene to be right. And I, I, I had no idea. I was just literally, I had my clown shoes on and my red nose and that well, was- Well, what an amazing, <laughs> what an amazing uh, place to be educated. Um, right. And uh, I mean, do you, so Burke, you hadn't remembered, but do you remember much about, about Betty's performance or about Suzanne Douglas? I remember Suzanne's performance. Um, it was a little edgier than Betty's, um, Betty. <laughs> Ms. Buckley's, um, <laughs> you know, Betty, I'm talking like, oh, well, no, I like we had lunch. Um, I, I remember Betty singing the hell out of it. Yeah. You know, I remember that more than anything else. Um, 
she was very different, obviously, than Ellen. And I think that that was, that was um, for me, um, uh, it, it didn't, it didn't strike the bell that I wanted it to, you know, uh. it wasn't, it was somehow, I mean, it was beautiful, but it was not what I had loved in Ellen's performance, that grit, that, you know, that this is real. I mean, you'd better, you know, pay attention or I'm going to turn you into a frog. Seriously. Um, Betty's was um, not as threatening to me, you know, um, but I think she, you know, as I said, sang the crap out of it. And I don't know, everything was different once you get the nose and the wig and the, the real yeah. physicality of it down. And of course, we didn't have any of that. No. Um, uh, Betty was very spiritual and, you know, was very um, kept the company, it seemed like, together during that time, it, it, the way that she was. She kind of, it kind of felt like she took the reins a little bit. Yeah. You know, and uh, had like, we would, before the, before the reading would start, she had us like get in a circle and kind of concentrate and get our souls kind of connected. And then that was, you know, that was her way of, of uh, building up a, a solid force to, yeah. to project in that fun, you know, that, you know, you're in a cold room with no costumes yeah. and it, it, it's hard to keep it together, especially with the scripts changing and the lines being different and you know you're just trying desperately to keep up it's always impressive how everybody could always keep up yeah you know, our stuff didn't change that much yeah, everybody else's was like moving all over the place so all the better um <laughs> that's an interesting comment about betty because in my imagination of her i can only compare it to other performances of hers i have seen i mean i didn't see her on broadway in carrie the musical but I, I've listened to the bootleg clips and watched the bootleg videos, and she's so oh. chilling and threatening. Oh. And, ah. and I just think of her as an actress who's so uh, real and mm -hmm. pretty. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it's well, interesting. Too, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm behind her. I'm like not in the audience. I'm like behind her. So I'm not watching, I'm not seeing her face and any of the witches' faces, really. Um, Ellen's, of course, I was right there. I was Rapunzel. Yeah. And then at the end of the show, I was Faber's wife and they brought her in. Mm, yes. So, oh, we'll get to that. We will get to that. But, um, but it's, but no, but it's, it's, I mean, it seems like, if, you know, Betty was frustrated in the role from her own accounts. And there mm -hmm. was obviously frustration with her on the creative team. And maybe that grittiness that she's so capable of wasn't something that she mm -hmm. was able to find in that material, mm -hmm. especially, um, if it was a two week process that she was only there for half of, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and everyone else had been, most of you had just done the show in a full production for, you know, a couple of months. And yep. you're here, it was, you know, the room, the cold room with nothing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, Burke had described uh, and other people had referenced uh, the sense of high pressure in the room when when you did the presentations of well first of all there seems to be a little bit of confusion from the different accounts of if it was two weeks of rehearsal no was work. there one performance two performances three performances did they all have different endings were they all on the same day uh do you have any memories about the specifics oh, of that lord you mean two performances in one day you mean yeah well so oh. i guess Someone had told me that uh, that there were three different performances oh, after I see. two weeks, uh -huh. and that they each had a very different ending. Ending, uh, and then someone else said that there was only two different versions that were performed, and that they were it wasn't the whole show. It was like you did the show, and then said, oh, but we could also try it with this last 20 minute section instead. And did, like, so wow, like a, wow, that's ringing a bell. But I, wow, yeah, who said that? That's an amazing memory. That's God, I don't even remember now. This, this, <laughs> when I, when I, when I write my book, I'll have to get it all straight in the quotes. But, um, oh, Lord, so not, no, I, I, those... I don't remember. Um, I, I do remember Joanna dying, of course. Then I remember her not dying. Yeah. Uh, and then I remember an apple. Right. Um, but but I don't remember how we got to that. I don't remember 
well, now that you say we did like the last 20 minutes or the, from this point on, I don't, you know, we must have just done all sorts of crazy stuff because I yeah. don't that. Um, I remember being confused a lot, but I don't remember. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember that. Mm. And um, like, <clears throat> do you remember Bernadette being in the audience either in San Diego or at the workshop? Yes, I remember her being in the audience at the workshop because you kind of can't not see sure. people that are right there. Yeah. I remember Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio was there and I remember it being very full. You know, a lot of times when people come and see it, there's a, a straggling bit, a smattering of folk. Yeah. This was three, no. <laughs> three rows of heavy hitters, you know, yeah. just smashed up against the wall. Um, so uh, I do remember that. And I remember thinking, oh, well, are we starting over? Oh, we're starting over? Why are all these people here now? What's, you know, what's so different that everybody has to be here now? And honestly, who are a lot of these people? I didn't know who yeah. a lot of these people were. I didn't know, but, you know, I didn't know what people looked like. Right, uh, producers or whoever, yeah. yeah. I've not met any of them. And they yeah. come right up and say, hi, yeah. whatever my name is. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a producer. You know? Yeah. So, um, but I do remember that day being very, uh, being very intense. I remember those, those days being, you know, walking, not walking on eggshells, but just being ready for anything like a, like a, a fun house, you know, yeah. just kind of waiting for the next thing to pop out of the, out of the corner. So was it exciting? It was very, oh yeah, it was very exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun and exciting and thrilling and, and scary. It was <laughs> excited and scared um <laughs> uh you know as as i've said i was so new to it yeah um creating a show was just like magic um and you know realizing that what the people wrote in the room that i was sitting in was going to be on broadway and it was going yeah. to be in the history books and it was going to be things that everybody talked about was coming out of your mouth on the page coming out of my mouth that's it. That, yeah. that line is just so impressive to me. So, And um, do you, I see, I think if my understanding of how this all worked is correct, you had your contract for Broadway before that workshop started. Wow. Did I? I guess I did. I guess, I guess I did. Uh, yes, I remember the conversation with my agent where he told me, yes. It is both both two mm -hmm. separate contracts at the same mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. So at, at that point, were you no longer scared you were being fired? At that point, did you I feel? Think, no, I think till the day we closed, <laughs> I, think I was nervous that somebody was gonna. Especially when Terry Burrell came in, when Lauren left the show, and Terry Burrell came in, I thought, oh, that's that's it. They're, yeah, no, I'm. They're gonna get Lauren back, and it's gonna be Terry and Lauren, or they're gonna find some other doll, you know, to come in if, if we got heavy hitters coming in like that. You know, uh, yeah. So yeah, I was never secure, I and mean, especially when I got in to do the Baker's Wife, was like, God, they're gonna get somebody. You know, they're gonna whoever the understudy was then. Colleen, uh, can't remember what Colleen her name Fitzpatrick. Is. Thank you, Colleen Fitzpatrick. They're gonna they're gonna give this to her <laughs> because I because she can do it, and I suck. You know. What an interesting uh, humble take. See, I would have thought because one of my very first interviews was Paul Ford. And he oh. went on and on about how you were so wonderful as the baker's wife. Oh, nice. And he was so angry that they had cast this uh, television actress um, oh. as the Cynthia. first, Cynthia, as the replacement yes. of Joanna. Yes. And, um, oh. uh, I guess, I don't think he was so angry about Mary Gordon Murray, because I guess there was a sense oh. she was prepping for the tour when she did it or something like that. Um, she was just really good. She had a really good sense of it. She was very yeah. grounded, I thought, in it. Yeah, um, but uh, but you were his favorite, uh, so I would have assumed that's that, so sweet that you, since you were the third replacement Baker's wife, yep. um, that you might have been sitting there frustrated when Joanna left and it didn't go to you, when Mary left and it didn't go to you, when Cynthia left and it didn't go to you, but not the case. You, didn't. no, no, I just was so happy. I, I, right little sign hold it up i was so happy you know uh no i didn't think i was, I was completely out of my element and i didn't think that 
I remember that the, there was a reviewer that came and he said that he had come to interview, had come to review rather Cynthia. Yeah. And that she, every time he'd come, she was out. She had mm. some vocal, some vocal issues. Yeah. Um, and he said, so now I've seen Kay McClellan three times. So I'm just going to review her. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so, so I got a lovely little mention in the, in the times. And that was, that was nice. And I got a little bit of a, okay, maybe this isn't terrible, but um, uh, you know, at, at toward the end of the run, um, I got some notes from someone and uh, uh, they weren't very good notes. They were kind of like, not, you know, we're not happy with what you're doing notes. And I said to this person, if I'm not any good, why, why, why do you have me do, doing the role? <laughs> so um, I, I think from that time too, I felt like I'm just a place card really. And, uh, and the rest of the show was so wonderful. The writing was so wonderful that you had to suck really bad to ruin it. And I don't think I sucked really bad, but, uh, but I, I, you know, again, I, um, I was just so happy to be there and to be wearing the costumes and having the dressing room and, you know, singing those beautiful songs and uh, trying my best to be the best Joanna Gleason I could be, <laughs> you know. Did, was that true even after you took over the role that you still felt you were doing Joanna rather than the, in your, your own Baker's Wife? Well, there was a little, yeah, um, obviously it couldn't be Joanna, but um, at that point, um, I wanted to fit in. I, I wanted to keep the laughs and I wanted to fit in and I wanted to do what other people were expecting that character to do. I didn't feel like I had the right to take, you know, to, to create a whole new uh, take on the character. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, at that point, I remember saying to myself, why reinvent the wheel? I didn't, I didn't have enough experience to, to really, you know, hone my craft from that role. Uh, I really just wanted to mm, not make any waves and make everybody happy and be where I was supposed to be and yank the hair when I was supposed to and yeah. you know, cover the lift and not fall down. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you later on in your career would you have maybe felt more emboldened to to uh veer more on your own once you had actually taken over their part possibly i can't i can't say for sure um i mean i, I saw you on the tour of crazy <laughs> for you which you were so wonderful in oh, in los thanks. angeles and um you know you, you you certainly didn't seem like michelle pock you felt like seemed like your abs own original fabulous thing yeah well that was different too for me because all the uh, the other actors were different you know oh, right uh, so yes. everybody's recreating it so chris castle was not anything like john hilmer so mm -hmm. we got to play different stuff and we had a different dynamic certainly now when i went into the broadway company of that yeah i couldn't be at that point i couldn't be Mich i couldn't do what michelle did because i'd already done me on yeah. the road so i was just like ah yeah. So, and they were very accommodating. John Hill yeah. was very, very kind to me and, uh, and very happy to, to yeah, you know, shift a little and give and take a little differently. Mm. So that was fun. Yeah. So yes. I guess the answer to your question is yes. Later on in my career, I did feel a little bit more. I'm glad to hear it. Although <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to know who gave you such harsh notes when you were playing the vicar's wife. So I want to beat them up. Mm -hmm. um, Paul Ford wants to beat them up. Mm -hmm. um, Paul Ford, my angel. But I, I wonder if the notes were as harsh as you experienced yeah, them to be, or maybe too. maybe they were, you know, stage left farther and you were really <laughs> I was hard. like, wait, how many feet? <laughs> oh, you don't like my feet? <laughs> yeah, who knows? I was a baby then, so... Uh, not, not an age, but an experience. I would yes. Say. Well, you were young as well. I mean, so were, were you, was that like a dream come true when you did get the offer to, to, to assume the role? At that point? Yes. It was a dream come true because I had gone on um, a good bit uh, throughout the run after Lauren left, of course. Um, and she was just wonderful in the role as well. Um, but uh, you know, I kind of, as I said, I kind of slipped into the career that I had. Um, so uh, again, grateful. And, and uh, once I did get, I loved, loved being with Chip. I loved being with Bob. Um, I loved being with all the witches, Nancy Dussault and, um, and of course, Ellen and, um, 
I think I got to go on with Betsy, who was wonderful as well. Um, So yeah, that was, it was, it was huge. And yeah, I did feel a little bit more um, grounded in myself once all those, all those things happened and all those people went on. Uh, I got to go on with a few other princes and, and that was always fun. Yeah. How are you going to roll down the hill? I don't know. I I rolled down the hill this way. You know, it was just uh, the constant adjusting and you feel like a real actor. Yeah, yeah, well, I up mean, there on the Broadway stage. leading lady. Yeah. Um, was that, and how was, do you remember what month you, you took over the part in? Wow. Um, <laughs> no, I don't remember the month. Uh, I just really don't, I don't even remember. I, we closed in September. Yeah. Um, I want to say like, it wasn't on for very long. I really don't know. I would say May. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. And yeah, and w- was that a, a big disappointment then to get the news that the show was finally closing at that point? Well, uh, actually, one of the things in that in that uh, note um, session that I had was the answer was, well, we're probably closing pretty soon and you know the lines. So I, <laughs> I knew I knew that that was imminent. Um, they didn't want it to end. And I thought, you know, that's not a done deal, but uh, I, did, I did know that it was, you know, once people start leaving and, and the replacements yeah. over and over. Although you must have started rehearsals for City of Angels very soon. After. Right, right away, yeah. right away. I remember when we were sitting in the house um, and we were told that the show was closing, that um, some of us were saying, okay, what's the first line of your new job? And that was just this, you know, who this is so clever. Um, and I think Chip Science said, ma'am, I don't think we have that in a seven double A, you know, that was, he, and, they, and he made fun of me. He said, well, you don't, what do you care? You're going off to be with Larry Gelbart. And I thought, <laughs> yes, I am. What a thing is that? Yes. We yeah. right, right so you had already booked that. So yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's a question for you. Were you still playing Florinda or were you the Baker's wife when the show was filmed? I was still Baker's wife, so still Florinda. I was no. You were the Baker's wife. I was. I mean, I was Florinda in the filming. No, I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had you you had you taken over the part at that point? Yes, I had. Yeah. So you were. So I went back. I went back to Florinda. (laughs) Yeah, which was great because they paid you, you know, this exorbitant amount of money because of the union. Thank you. Um, so yeah, everybody went back and that was fun yeah. uh, to have everybody back and yeah. sort of have the old show and then to see how much the show had changed mm. from the time that the people left. Then when they came back, it was like, oh, that's the way the show used to be. Not the way the show used to be, but that, those were the bits then. That was the timing then, you know, yeah. because these other people come in with different, you know, timing. And, and, and Do you remember... Sort of- Anything specific about that? I know for fans, it's so uh, interesting to wonder the little ways that the show would have uh, shifted and evolved over the run and different cast members coming in. Um, let's see. No. The answer to that, I guess, would be no. I do I do remember a couple of times when I would see, seeing the film, uh, the film version, specifically because I was doing The Baker's Wife, Joanna would do things in the recording and I would think I don't remember her doing that I certainly don't do that yeah um, and I don't remember her doing that and that yeah. you know uh, and and with the, with she and Chip you know they obviously they had their own their own universe going on so they could do things differently with mm. each other and it was perfect every you know no matter what they did because they read each other so well and had that wonderful relationship so that, that fits so well so Mm. But I don't really remember huge adjustments that needed to be made, except for the camera, of course. You know, stand closer. You're either in the frame or out of the frame. So stand closer or stand farther away. <laughs> where you are is not right. So. <laughs> um, did you have a sense of the significance of this being filmed at the time, that, that this was going to create this legacy of the original production? Um, yeah, I did. I, I, did. I thought that was the, the coolest thing about the whole run, really, because you did get to go back 
and uh, and see it. I mean, yeah. so many things I I wish I could go back and see. I wish I could have seen, you know, a recording of Sugar Babies. What a thing would that have been? You know, yeah. see Mickey and Ann do that show. They were it's just crazy. That was just some crazy shit that they did. And all of those characters were were so um, reminiscent of that old time. And, you know, even now it's even older, but I mean, that vaudeville that it just nobody knows what that is anymore it just doesn't yeah. exist and to have that it would have been great so yeah that was um that was wonderful we were very excited about that about that whole thing and, and it was fun even when we shot the commercial you know that was fun too because we get to see it again and again you know so have you seen other productions of the show over the years no i've, I've seen uh that's not entirely true i saw a couple of high school productions of it but mm. that's that's it um, you know, I left in 99. Um, so I didn't get to see any of the revivals. Left um, New York. I left New York in 99. Yeah. So I, I kinda, mean, it's been done in Atlanta too. <laughs> yeah, I guess it has been. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I was aware, aware of that. I guess it's been done pretty much everywhere, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, truly. Yeah, a million different productions. And did you see the movie? Yes, I did see the movie. Um, so yeah, very different. Yeah. And upside down Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and upside down princes. For yeah, that yeah. 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 That it was uh, to me a little homogenized. If I could, well, that was probably not the thing to say, but it was, you know, to well, me, it, well, it wasn't as sharp yeah. to me as the, as the live production. Of course, that's probably just because it isn't yeah. the nature of the beast. Yeah. So. Um, wow. I mean, uh, have your, thoughts about what the show is or what it means changed over the years does, does it mean something different to you now than it did when you were when you were doing it just as well, a work you know um doing it understanding what the messages are and years later having children and finding out who the difference between who you are in one world and who you are in another world and uh, and the responsibility about uh, the, your future and the, what not just a legacy but but what you are instilling in another human being in caring for it that that's been uh, you know as a as a parent it, it, just the eternal lesson the everyday lesson and it does go back I mean um, you know my kids are so sick of me and into the woods <laughs> you know, because it's gotten it's so popular and it was such a popular show among young people and and uh people my sister my little girl was in um high school and uh she has a beautiful voice and the teacher the chorus teacher said you know um ella who do you know do you know anybody who who sings do you know anybody who has had any Kind of experience with this and up until that point i thought they hated me i mean i hated me but they hated what i did and they were embarrassed yeah. by me and somebody would say oh your mom was this and they would go oh god yes my mom's that whatever uh, but at this point she said yeah well my mom was on broadway <laughs> everybody shifted oh that was this this ella's mom is this so that that uh that that little thing and and how i, I felt about that uh, and so I felt about my whole career at this point. Um, it, it's all different. It's all deeper and more meaningful and richer um, and more important. I wasn't important before, mm. um, but but the messages of that show are just, you know, there's nothing else like them. Yeah. And in such a strange setting, fairy tales, which, you know, they're supposed to teach all that stuff. That's why they were invented. That's right. came up with them. Um, but then to take it farther, you know, it was just lovely, a lovely time. So, well, you're lovely, and, and you are uh, lovely. I'm so, I'm so grateful to you for giving me this time. It's so great <laughs> to hear, hear your experience. Thank you. I, I, I feel like I'm just kind of babbling. <laughs> no, you're terrific. This is so great. Um, and uh, now that your kids are getting older, you know, maybe you'll, maybe you'll come back. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know about that. You know, it's funny. I just, 
I think about what well, I don't think I could do that. I, there have been a couple of times that I've needed to sing a couple of things at a wedding, I think. And, and, uh, and when my parents were alive, I think I sang for the women's club and, uh, yeah. it, it, but I don't know who that person is anymore that got up on stage and did yeah. those things. Like, and I had to, I couldn't be that person and be a mom. I was too crazy. And they think yeah. I'm crazy as it is. So, you know, but thank well, you so much for having me. And I'm sorry. I was, it took me so long to come, no, to come back to you. It was worth the wait. I'm so, <laughs> You're happy, very kind. so happy to talk to you and uh, we will talk again. We will talk I so I, and good luck on your book. You're just thank uh, you so much. A font of information so yourself. I'm sure. I'll, I'm sure I'll be following up with more questions when that's happening. Uh, it's not before. Thank you for listening to Giants in the Sky. How Sondheim and Levine went into the woods on the Broadway Podcast Network. Look out for episode 47 with David Warren, assistant to the director at the Old Globe and on tour. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.